0: I'm David S. Dawson from The Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com.
1: You are listening to The Starling Tribune, a podcast dedicated to the Arrow TV show. I am the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow has entered through the front door. This podcast is not produced or maintained by The CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, situations, and stories are the properties of Time Warner. I am the Oracle, and this is your Tribune.
2: Welcome back to Earth 2's favorite newspaper. We call it the Starling Tribune. I am the chief editor tonight. My name is SP. And your other award-winning reporters for this episode number 246 of the Starly Tribune are Chris. Legends Assemble. Yeah. What was the original air date of this episode? April. Yeah. April 15th. There you go. So getting close to that Avengers date there. And Michelle, by the way, who just spoke up, you're another award-winning reporter.
3: Damn it. This is definitely a dream. Sandwiched in between two
2: sexy guys. Zari had it going on. Hey, everybody. This podcast is recorded on Thursday, July 25th, 2019, live on www.geeks.live. And since it's July 25th, happy Christmas in July,
0: everyone. He's going to start on Hallmark movies soon now, isn't he? He referenced Christmas. It's time for Hallmark holiday movies. We already know it, but that's not what we're here to discuss tonight. No, no, no. We're not discussing any of the Arrow stars that are appearing in your latest Hallmark holiday Christmas movies. No, tonight we're discussing Legends of Tomorrow, as well as news, interviews, articles, lots of articles, and announcements that have dropped in the last week that could and let's be honest, will impact future episodes of Legends, as well as the greater universe. That is the Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, and everything else they come up with between now and the air dates.
3: If you're new to the show, thank you for searching us out on the internet and joining us. After the show, you can check out our content at GarnetGeek.com, where you can also find other geeky videos, podcasts, and articles.
2: Thanks guys. Hey, I've got a special announcement and the special announcement is this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a Pandora account, well, guess what? You can listen to this podcast on the Pandora app. So not on the web page yet, but on your Pandora app, on your mobile device, smartphone, you can listen to Starling Tribune. And if you're doing that, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear how it sounds for you and how it's working out for you. And with that, Michelle, why don't you go ahead and break down the current episode of Legends of Tomorrow for us?
3: Sure. This episode is called Seance and Sensibility. It's season four, episode 11. It aired Monday, April 15th, 2019. Directed by Alexandra LaRoche. Credits include one Riverdale, three Legends, four Flash, two Arrow, and one Supergirl. Written by Grain Godfrey. Credits include 15 episodes of Legends, Seven Flash, and One Arrow, and Jackie Canino. And this is Jackie's only writing credit.
2: I have to say, I'm kind of impressed because this was a really good episode. But Jackie had Alexander LaRoche and Grain Godfrey, who are pros in their own right and very experienced with the series. So I'm glad to see them bringing new blood into train for future. Shows, whether it's Legends of Tomorrow or Batwoman or whatever they got going on on the CW. This episode was aired in April 2019, as we've alluded to. There was no episode on Sunday, so no Supergirl this week. And we did have Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow and The Flash this week. And we're going to run down their live plus seven day DVR numbers. This episode of Legends... Brought in on Monday, the 15th of April, which was tax day, by the way. A Live plus seven day DVR number of 1.57 million. And following Legends Tomorrow, Arrow aired the 18th episode of the seventh season called Lost Canary. And if you remember this episode after being accused of murder and having her criminal past exposed, Laurel goes full Black Siren and teams up with an old criminal acquaintance. This episode brought in $1.36 with a Live Plus 7 Day DVR. And on Tuesday, the 16th of April, the day after Tax Day, I guess a lot of people were busy during Tax Day because Flash aired the 18th episode of the fifth season titled Godspeed. And if you remember what happened there, after discovering that Nora is working with Thawne. Ooh. Barry and Iris disagree about how to handle their daughter in the wake of the shocking news and a very shocking flash. Indeed, it got a live plus seven day DVR rating of two point six, eight, pretty much double of the other two shows, not combined, but, you know, double the other two shows ratings. So, yeah, the um, Monday, the 15th of April was not entirely kind to the Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow shows, but Flash brought it in. So, we often bring up the theme of the episode. We attach the theme to the title of the episode, and we know that the creative team does a lot of work coming up with a good title. We've described this before. they got a big whiteboard and lots of suggested titles until they finally X out the ones they don't like and circle the ones they do like. It's called Seance and Sensibility. Michelle, what's up with that title?
3: Well, this episode has Jane Austen in it and Jane Austen wrote a book called Sense and Sensibility and this episode of Legends well there's the seance part and there's the sensibility part and it's the sensibility part that takes place in Regency England 1802 Bath, England and it starts off with a wedding and all of a sudden everyone's not doing the proper wedding that's supposed to happen instead everybody's confessing their love with everyone and then we find out the fugitive and has to do with like a love god and there's love dust and such this part of the episode is where a lot of legends fan got split i i remember watching this reading the reactions people were like either why others were like of course legends would erupt into a bollywood number why not yeah why not i am on the oh my gosh legends did a bollywood number i am so in on this what about you guys
0: why wouldn't anyone be in on it it was fun they played it for they played it for a wink and a nod we're like are you doing a bollywood number of course i am it, it was awesome it was fun it was entertaining Hey, if Joss Whedon can do an entire episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that's a musical episode and other people can copy the whole musical episode thing, why can't you take any show that has the ability to play with time travel and demons and things like that and have something cause a musical number? It worked perfectly fine for me, and if you didn't like it, I mean, you're welcome to your opinion, but I don't understand why you'd be like, this doesn't fit in with Legends, because everything fits in with Legends, let's be honest.
2: I have to admit, this is the first time that I have watched a Bollywood musical number, at least that I know of. I mean, I remember us I talking about it. So as it was happening, I'm like, oh, so this is what a Bollywood musical number looks like. I enjoyed it. I liked it. And it reminded me a little bit split between like the Disney family friendly movies and maybe the Disney Channel in, in itself and, and the kind of stuff that they do back and forth with that. So if Bollywood's all about that. And it can be as catchy as this. I'm all for it because they pulled it off. I have no idea if the actors themselves voiced their singing or if it was all lip sync or, or whatever. But it sounded good. It looked good. I, I got into it. I mean, even Mona at one point in time was like, oh, are, are we doing this? I'm, I'm just going to roll with it because that's what Mona does. And that's what we have to do as audience for Legends Tomorrow. You just have to roll with it.
0: So I think you could have made this complaint back in like season one or two of the show, potentially like, this doesn't make sense. But the show has evolved so much to just basically being, I don't mean this to sound bad, but it might, this wacky Zany show that just does whatever it wants for the purpose of the gag. That's what makes it fun, is they do these random weird gags and side-off episodes that are just a ton of fun, and you go, okay, this was great, I enjoyed it, I can lean back, have a big smile on my face, Facebook, I can't wait to see what they do next. And that's what this was, it was just the escalation of what crazy thing are the legends going to get involved with next?
3: I liked the song and the cast sang it well. It was a great dance number. The costumes were beautiful. I'm just like, someone knows they're Bollywood. That's all I have to say.
0: All I can say is if someone's complaining about this, I hope they were complaining about the musical crossover between Supergirl and Flash. Because how is this really different? It's just a different kind of singing and dancing number.
2: There might have been the same number of people complaining about both. It's possible. But there's more people that watch The Flash and liked it on The Flash and than the percentage on Legends of Tomorrow. I don't know. I'm just pointing that out. It could be. And yeah, the musical number on Flash was a little out of place, but I enjoyed it. It was fun to watch. And you just, like I said, have to go with it. It's, it's DCCW shows, and they're going to do stuff like that.
3: I think some are also with the culture shock. Not everyone knows what Bollywood is or what the that type of style is. And it's just, hey, Legends brought you something new. Like if you never heard of Japanese monster movies, you got a taste of that earlier this season. It's just right now I'm playing a game online called Rifts where it's sci-fi, fantasy and, and such. And whenever somebody says, hey, does this exist? The answer is always yes. Okay, Is there a talking dinosaur? Yes. Why? It's riffs. So when it comes to legends, can there be a Bollywood number? The answer is yes. Why? It's legends.
2: It's just improv. It's yes and. It's like yes and we're going to enjoy it. Yes, what else are we going to get? Yes and this is awesome. So, yeah.
3: The seance part of the show takes place during... Hank's funeral. At first, you know, everyone's there. And I thought it was interesting how Ray was a little awkward because he wasn't sure about the whole Nora thing. And and he bumps into Nate and they have their little thing. And I really like how those two can express themselves in a healthy manner, like men can have feelings too. It's wonderful. And Constantine notices when the aunt's praying and he notices the mirrors being covered. You just think it's going to be a, a normal funeral, but no, it's legends. So of course it's not.
0: No, you can't have normal. They don't get they don't get a normal day where things don't go crazy.
3: No, you know Nate hears about the fugitive and he's like, "Hey, go ahead and go." And Nate and the toast.
0: I mean, he's struggling.
3: Yeah, he struggled with that, and he actually took Mix advice, which was like, "Tell the truth, do it for you." Well,
2: I, you know, Mick had that issue with his dad too, right? And he went back to Vietnam and he came to terms with his dad. Nate's had quite a longer arc with his dad. It goes back before the season really. And it, he has to come to terms with it all in one. And Nate's a different guy than Mick, but that's how Mick dealt with it is just be honest with yourself. Cause if you don't, you just, it's going to eat you up. But Mick does not have a social filter. No, never has. He's trying to help Nate, and I think it's all in good meaning, and it's just the wrong advice for the situation. But it does get Nate closer to closure with his dad, which I think is much needed because he had the issue with his grandfather, the issue with his father. And we haven't seen him steal up in quite some
0: time either. Special effects budget, man. Need that cash for other things. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I thought it was sweet that his mother was able to go, yes, Hank was a workaholic, but pull out this story and tell this wonderful story about how Nate wanted to go to Disneyland, but then he had to go to the hospital. For those of you who might not remember, Nate is a hemophiliac. So it is common for, unfortunately, those with hemophilia to have to go to the hospital often and Hank dressed up like Mickey Mouse.
2: I could see Biff dressed up as Mickey Mouse. I, I definitely can. <laughs> when you put it
0: that way, I can't too.
3: <laughs> I know
2: Tom Wilson's two different characters, you know, he was Biff in Back to the Future and then he's Hank over here and it's it is a different character, but I can I can just see Biff as dressed up as Mickey Mouse and I can see Hank they've been trying to warm up Hank really all season, But there's this adversary relationship between parent and kid and being a parent of a kid that is a I would say is about Nate's age right now. It is interesting because not only do you see your own relationship with your kid, but you see all your kids friends relationship with their parents and you see how that goes and there's hot and cold and some kids they feel like they've been dealt a bad hand and they're talking adversarial with their parents or that they feel like their parents never understood them. Maybe their parents wanted them to go to the school that they went to and and, or be the profession that they are. You know, lawyers want their kids to be lawyers. Doctors want to be their kids to be doctors. I can see that type of relationship between Hank and Nate, and it is understood on both sides and often the parent really loves the kid and is just it's a misunderstood relationship and i think that's what nate and hank had is a misunderstood relationship and like i said it's important for nate to come to terms with that now because he's got to go on with his life
3: and constantine finds a way to help hank do that chris i know rory is your favorite it's true what did you think about the seance part of the episode? The seance part was
0: hilarious. So they're casting the spell and Mick's kind of like, so where's he going to go? And they kind of just give him this look because you can tell Mick hasn't been paying attention. He's kind of sitting there staring off his space. And then all of a sudden he looks down and sees he's in a magic circle. He's like, he's got that what the F look on his face. And then whoop, he becomes Biff. I know it's actually Hank, but I wanted to say Biff. I didn't think we were going to get Hank back
2: for another episode. It was great to have him on the stereo i guess in the audio it was great to have tom back with
0: that well i imagine it had to be a pretty easy gig as an actor this week he had to do some voiceover work and lay in about and lay in a box it might not have been him it might have been a
2: dummy
3: well now we also have that great moment because thanks to the seance yes yeah, right and the whole disney world story it perfectly sets up for the big reveal about Hank and his actual plan. And SP, what is Hank's actual plan?
2: All great men are considered crazy at some point in time, and definitely Hank was considered crazy because he wanted to make a theme park for magical creatures, making magical creatures more approachable for everyone, including young children. And I think it was a great plan. I think it I. I I don't know about you guys, but I took that as a radical shift in where the story was supposed to go at this point. And I think this was the happy ending to Hank that they wanted to give Tom Wilson. And seeing him in that commercial, that infomercial asking for venture capitalism to, you know, come back and investors basically to come in to make his dream a reality. It was fun. It it was like seeing a good Biff on the screen. And I, I keep on referring back to Biff with Tom Wilson and it's kind of hard to divest yourself from that character, even as he's older because he played an older Biff in back to the future two and a little bit of three as well. And it was good to see that on screen because I just, I got a good warm feeling and it was, Part of it was watching Nate's reaction, because as you're watching this, you're like, what the heck is going on? And all of a sudden, Nate gets it. And at the time, Nate got it. I got it finally, too. It's like, oh, this is a good thing. And this is the ending that the writers and the producers and the showrunners wanted to give Tom Wilson. And I think they did a good job. I don't know if we're going to see or hear Hank again in the rest of the episodes, but I think this is good up to this point.
0: You Yeah, you can tell that they found their way to. To give him his good out, because like we talked about in some earlier interviews, they were like, we didn't realize how much we liked having him on cast here, how much fun he was to work with. They are kind of like stretching out the role. And they even talked about interviews that they changed what the final state was supposed to be for Hank. Because originally, he was supposed to be the big bad, kind of cooperating, not necessarily changing his mind and deciding not to work with Neuron. So, yeah, I I liked the fact, but you could certainly tell it was kind of the, here's how we get out of this, that they tacked on there. But it was cute and it was entertaining, so why not? I'm totally fine with it.
3: I think they set up a shift in the episode getaway where Hank and Nate got to bond. And he does make that point. I I didn't grow up with a father. My mom had to be both. And even Nate's mom talked about how he didn't grow up with a father. And sometimes he just didn't know what to do. And how sometimes you can have that self that you present to the world because you think that's the image you need to project i think hank was like i need to be the strong mass typical masculine guy all the time even though inside he he dressed up like mickey mouse i think that's one of the key things about this episode And when you connect it to the getaway you start to realize that there's more to hank than just the big blustery guy we saw at the beginning of the season Everyone has different sides to themselves. Everyone has the side they think they need to present to society, the one they actually present to other people and such. I think that's what Hank had to deal with. You know, Nate can already sort of be his authentic self no matter what. He can express his emotions in a healthy way. Maybe he's awkward sometimes, but that's something Hank really couldn't do until the end. So, yes, it kind of seems like a little shift, but I think with The Getaway, it doesn't make it that much of a shift. I can actually see the progression. That's fair.
2: Oh, yeah. Especially at the end of the getaway when his murder actually happens, because he's like, oh, I, I just want to spend time with my son and it just want to move on from this. And I don't want to be your partner anymore. I want to be a partner with my son. That was last episode. Yeah, I get that. But this was the final kind of tearjerker, happy-go-lucky the final end state, at least as far as I know. Like I said, I don't know if he appears in any future episode, but if it ended right now, then I have a good taste of Tom Wilson and Hank in my mouth.
3: Yep, that's fair. So, Chris, is there anything else about the episode you want to talk about?
0: I like that Constantine's finally able to connect the dots as to who's pulling the strings behind the scenes and to see that it is his love that is being impersonated that Neron is basically using as his shell two pull strings and he kind of loses his crap and ends up punching the mirror when he realizes what all is going on. And I thought it was played. Well, look at his face and he's like, Oh my God, what is going on? I can't believe Matt Ryan played shattered pretty well there.
3: SP anything else you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I have a few other things actually. So you have in this episode, Zari come to terms with her feelings And I don't think she's ready to act on her feelings with Nate, but obviously they're out in the open now and she's starting to deal with them. So we'll see what that leads to in the future. You have Mona that has come to terms with her feelings, and this is all through their interaction with Jane Austen. And you also had Sarah just going along with it and Charlie also just having. Having a fun ride. Charlie had fun this episode. I think she's really having fun with the legends and trying to do her part, but still having fun. So uh, what we didn't have was a whole heck of a lot of Gideon. I'm looking forward to more Gideon in the future.
3: And another pair that we got, we got the uh, romantic hijinks of Ray and Nora. The fact that Ray can curl up in a chair and fall asleep immediately does not surprise me.
2: Every time I see these two on a scene now, I'm thinking that this is a married couple that is having fun, just doing makeup and play dates, basically, and we get to see that and they are having fun. So the whole scene where he's falling asleep in bed, I could see her just rolling her eyes like, okay, I can't believe this guy's my husband, you know, that sort of thing. And But you know, they are playing their characters, so they're not married on the show, but they're married in real life. And it's just fun seeing that chemistry because it really works between the two. And it really works that they're allowing us into their back and forth with each other. So yeah, it's really fun with those two. And I I look forward to their relationship continuing.
0: I also really enjoyed their part of the musical number in the Bollywood piece where it kind of cuts aside and goes to Ray and uh, Nora just for a few minutes and they start singing and they change the lighting when Ray starts singing back. I I thought it was fun. It reminded me very much so. Of some of the cuts and things they did in Buffy's Once More with Feeling, bouncing back and forth between some folks
3: and musical numbers. I'm really glad you guys liked it. I was ready to respect your opinion and everything, but I'm—I have to admit—I'm really happy you guys got it.
0: You mean you're happy you didn't have to tell us we were wrong?
3: No. <laughs>
2: I think my favorite part of the Zari. Lyrics in the musical, whereas when she was telling her history, and it was when she was still loopy, right? But she was telling her history of of her story, of everywhere she's been, right? She uh, made friends with the cowboy and 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 got the hat and everything in between, right? And you're just reminded of this great story arc that Zari's had. She's really been fun to have on the show. I, I'm glad that she's been a part of the show. Outspoken on Twitter, absolutely, but uh, she is great to see on the screen
3: well we're going to see how things develop in the next episode called the eggplant the witch and the wardrobe it's season 4 episode 12 it aired Monday April 21st 2019 with darkness on the rise of 2019 the team realizes that a new host of problems have arisen as they have been cleaning up history it's directed by Marzi Almas and written by Morgan Faust and Daphne Miles
2: Live from the Starling Tribune main news desk on floor 52 of the Starling Tribune Tower, it's the weekly news roundup with Chief News Anchor, Michelle Ely. And now, Michelle Ely.
3: A little event happened over the weekend called San Diego Comic Con. I don't know if you guys have heard of it.
0: Comics? What are comics and what are cons? I heard it might be a good place to
2: maybe take your stack of comics and maybe exchange them, see You know, what other people have to trade.
3: There you go. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's what you would think. But mostly, it's a whole bunch of panels about TV shows and such, including ours. And we have a lot of casting news.
0: A lot.
3: A lot. And thankfully, my fellow reporter, Chris, is going to start us off with some Arrow news.
0: So we're going to power through some of this casting news. Let's start right now with Resurrections. Yes, there are a few actors coming back for Resurrections. First of all, Comic Book Resources reports that Adrian Chase comes back in a different way than expected, according to Beth Schwartz. We're really excited about that because obviously he's one of our favorite villains. But then on the subject of Tommy Berlin, executive producer Mark Guggenheim has also promised Donald is not coming back as the Tommy we know. But no, no, no. Tommy and Adrian Chase are not the only people returning from the dead. Let's get the next returning from the dead. Susanna Thompson is returning and reprising her role as Moira Queen. We haven't seen her since season two, I think it was, when Slade Wilson ran her through with a sword. The folks over at Comic Book Resources also got a chance to find out more about her return. Mark Guggenheim was interviewed about it, saying, It's a love letter to the show. It really is, Mark Guggenheim said. I was telling Beth Schwartz it's a lot like the series finale, not the season premiere, in the best possible way. Almost to the point where, like, what are we going to do for the series finale? I mean, we know obviously, but it has that kind of resonance, but it's exciting. That was them talking about Susanna Thompson returning to the show. So, guys, are we excited about these folks that are seemingly returning from the dead for the season eight of Arrow? And what does it kind of tell us might be
3: happening in season eight? Time. Travel. Yep. Alternate Earths. And I like that Moira's coming back. I know, SP, she's not your favorite, but she's one of mine.
2: We'll see what she's like in an alternate universe. And, yeah, when you got the Monitor involved... I don't know how many different Earths we're going to see. I don't know how many different Oliver Queens we're going to see. I know we're going to talk about the trailer in a little bit, but it was interesting watching the trailer when you're taking these things into account because they did a great job of doing a montage. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that got me warmed up to these ideas of bringing back characters and and seeing uh, different aspects Of Oliver Queen trying to save the multiverse.
0: Should be interesting. Uh, Two more pieces of Arrow news to talk about real quick. In season eight, Chicago Fire veteran Charlie Barnett has been cast as John Diggle Jr. A.K.A. J.J. In the eighth season of Arrow. I I don't watch Chicago Fire. But hey, congratulations to uh, Charlie for getting the role of J.J. Do you guys watch Chicago Fire? Anyone have any familiarity with the actor? No.
3: No.
2: Yeah, no, I don't either. And I look forward to seeing JJ's portrayal. And I also, we haven't seen any news on this, but I am looking forward to the casting of Sarah Diggle. It'd be interesting if they actually did go that route. In an alternate universe, it's possible.
0: Barry can't have screwed up all of the timelines. Damn it, Barry. Uh, One last piece of arrow news to talk about the title for episode two has been leaked out, well not leaked out, shared in a Twitter post from Beth Schwartz where she shared the script, the cover page, and it is called Welcome to Hong Kong. So again, this makes it sound like we're talking about some more flashbacks into Arrow lore, and God knows what all they're going to get into. I can't wait to see it. I think we're going to get Shadow. I would love to have Shadow come back. That would be great.
3: And this really ties in with the season trailer that came out. where you get a lot of flashes of, Oliver and the past, who he's loved, who he's lost. And there's this great montage at the end of all the arrows that have come from the seasons before. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, they're really going to do the time hoppy alternate earth things with the monitor. And I'm really looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be cool. They set it up too because at one of the scenes in the montage, in the first montage, he is sharpening an arrow. And I was wondering at the time, am I looking at a new scene or is this from something in the past? It's something from the past because it was all built up until you got to a certain point in the trailer. I forget what time stamp it was. Let's just call it like one minute, 45 seconds, two minutes, somewhere around there. The whole thing was about two minutes, 45 sec. Yeah, two minutes, 42 seconds. And then at the end, you're right. It, it showed seven versions of the arrow. I don't know if we had of the same versions of the arrow icon, the logo uh from like season 1 and season 2 if they didn't change it and then we have a total of 7 of them and this is going to be season 8 so maybe they just didn't create a new one for season 8 and they just showed all the previous seven I don't know I'll have to go back and look at all the original artwork for each season in order to do that you know agents of shield kind of did something similar as well going into the next season so yeah fan service this is fun
0: I know the show's ending but they can't go on forever not even MASH went on forever, guys. Look, you can get away with fan service in this case, though, because they have a guaranteed end date. They know they're not trying to stretch things out to get more. So you can get some of these fan service moments in there that are designed to be callbacks and you, you relate to make. Ah, this tugs at the old memory strings or in some cases, the heart strings, because you might have better feelings about some seasons than others and your characters have passed away during certain seasons. So I'm OK with fan service like this because it's just fun. It's nice callbacks. Talking about pulling on fan heartstring
2: memories, Chris. That's
0: right. There's some boatloads of casting news about Crisis. I'm not going to read all of the articles, but here's some stuff that they have announced for actors coming to Crisis. Tyler Hawkland returns as Clark Kent slash Superman. Brandon Ralph also returning, but as Superman. He yeah. will be Kingdom Come Superman in Crisis on Infinite Earths at the panel. At San Diego Comic-Con, he undid his shirt a little bit and had the Kingdom Come Superman logo across his chest. For those that aren't familiar with Kingdom Come Superman, it is an older Superman who has aged and seen how the Earth has changed and has kind of an alternate take or a different take on how heroes are currently servicing the Earth. It's one of the great stories told in the DC Universe, written by Mark Waid, artwork done by Alex Ross. So the fact they're going the Kingdom Come route That is awesome, and I really hope there's a moment where the Atom and uh, Kingdom Come Superman come face-to-face. But no, we're not done there. There's still more casting news. Elizabeth Tulloch will return as Lois Lane in Crisis on Infinite Earths. We'd seen her go off with Superman at the end of the last crossover, if I recall correctly, and she was pregnant. So maybe we'll get baby Superman or something coming out of this. I don't know. Uh, More casting news. The Flash's Tom Cavanaugh will be in there, but not as one of the characters we've seen currently. He is going to be integral in releasing the Anti-Monitor, the character he's playing. And then finally, the last piece of Crisis casting news that we had here, and one that arguably had me going, they're doing what the most, is uh, Burt Ward, Robin, from the 1960s Batman series, will have a role in Crisis on Infinite Earths. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait.
3: It's great. He's going to be in the Batwoman show. That's where he's going to debut. Don't know if he's playing Robin or somebody new. I think it's amazing to get Burt Ward and we're going to get two Supermans. I have to admit, I really want them to get Tom Welling because if they got Tom Welling, somebody would have to save me.
2: It's not like he's not up there doing production. He is living in that area. He could do this, and uh, it, I think the only reason that they don't have Adam West is he's not with us. Because I think Adam West would have done this right now.
0: Yeah. So it'd be interesting if they did get Tom Welling. I mean, he's up there doing. I believe they filmed Lucifer in the same area. Lucifer has its final season coming up on Netflix shortly. The only reason I could think that he wouldn't is if there's something strange in his contract that prevents him from doing it. Because I believe. And maybe I'm just imagining this. I'd seen a news out of San Diego Comic-Con where they asked Tom Wong about this news and whether he'd come back and he said he'd be open to it. But I could be misremembering that. So I will try and find that and source that before the end of this show.
3: And it makes a lot of sense that Kavanaugh plays Pariah. Considering what they've done with Wells and Thawne, with Flash and with also the other crossovers, not only last year, but with the Nazi one. He's really been integral in a lot of things, and I think it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think it does, too. Now, I can't guarantee that this site is accurate. I've gotten news from WeGotThisCovered.com before. They're also reporting that Linda Carter could be returning in some way for this, not necessarily as President Marsden, but as an older Wonder Woman. And they are also claiming that Tom Welling will be making an appearance. But they're also... Oh, never mind. Their source is CosmicBookNews.com, and those guys are almost always wrong. So I don't have confirmation.
2: I wouldn't put it beyond them, because if you're you're trying to gen up interest in these shows moving forward and trying to get people to watch Arrow... Because you take a look at the ratings, and they're not spectacular, at least the live ratings. We talked about ratings quite a bit on this show, so I won't belabor the point. But... This would get people like, huh, I wonder what's going on. Maybe I will tune in to this last season and see what's going on with Arrow as it leads up to Crisis and all the shows that are being part of the Crisis. Just to see the Crisis event and get more references for these current shows that they may not be watching, but maybe they watch the former shows. I, I, I don't know, guys. This is looking like it's going to be a fun fall into winter in... I think CW is going to give us a nice Christmas present this year.
0: Cosmic Book News is also reporting that the Titans from the DC streaming service will appear in crisis. So again, bear in mind the source and take it worth a grain of salt. But it would be really interesting if they brought all these different threads together and connected them.
2: I know it's more of a Marvel property, but it'd be kind of fun if they made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reference, at least, in one of the Arrow shows.
0: I mean, they could. They just did the movie. There was an animated movie that came out that was Batman v. Ninja Turtles. So who knows? Yeah.
3: Yeah, who knows? Well, moving on, um, we have some Supergirl news. And again, casting. Someone is leaving, and that is McCod Brooks, who plays James Olsen, is leaving. I'm not surprised considering what's been going on with his character in the past two seasons. But with someone exiting, this brings this makes room for others to join. Uh, first, Jeremy Jordan is returning to Supergirl. He departed after season three. He is expected to appear in three episodes in the second half of of the season of Supergirl. So it's nice to see him back. Coming in as regulars, we have uh, Julie Gonzalo is going to be playing a DC Comics character, Andrea Rojas, a.k.a. Akrata, who has a mystical secret. The panel revealed that Andrea will take over as the head of CatCo. Stas Niar will play a hardened reporter, William Day, who's not interested in making friends. He just wants to get the story, but his ties to the criminal underworld could prove problematic. Also revealed that both these characters will be in the premiere, which is Sunday, October 6th. And we also learned that Jesse Rath's sister, Megan Rath, will appear as a female brainiac five. And Supergirl has a new outfit. She has pants.
2: I've seen the picture. Pants? Yeah, pants. I'm actually all for it. I mean, I like the skirt for Supergirl, but it, it, the character is evolving, so I'm
0: fine with it. We put we talked about it briefly on the GunnaGeek.com show a couple weeks back. I'm perfectly fine with the way the suit looks. It's just a little strange to the eye because it's a big sea of blue. The same problem they have with the New 52 Superman suit and things like that is they got rid of the red trunks for Superman there and you've just got like a torso and legs that are all blue until you hit the boots. It's just a little strange for the eye to get used to. I wish they had something there that broke up the sea of blue some. I have no problem with pants though. Just keep that in mind, internet. Please don't send me your hate mail. I'm not saying, go back to the skirt because this suit's dumb. I'm saying, I wish there was a little more color to it or something that broke it up.
3: And Supergirl also had a trailer for season five. It really looked at Leviathan, who's going to be the big bad. Executive producer Robert Rovner explained, we'll be seeing how our villains this season use technology against us and how our heroes bring us back. Interesting. Very much.
2: I know we're going to talk a little bit more news here, but I think I'm going to play this fall like I did last fall, where I'm going to watch all the shows to get me to the crossover. And then after that, I'm probably going to fall off from them. It's just a lot of shows to watch it at the same time. I know we're only talking about eight to ten episodes of these shows in the fall, but I've been burned before. So I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic. That they're going to be making some positive terms with these shows, at least as far as I'm concerned. Maybe you listener, maybe you guys here love these shows as they stand, but I, I had some issues and you, you know talking about the Supergirl casting where you had uh, James Olsen and it was it was the weirdest thing. We talked about it a lot on this show, but it was the weirdest thing seeing his character and how it was being used and it was i'm glad he's leaving uh, in that i hope it opens up the story to get a little bit better because it was unbelievable so you got the superhero running cacko so he's off doing superhero stuff as guardian but yet he's still supposed to be running Caco. it's just weird anyway he never sleeps some people don't but i need sleep it's true
3: in flash news first Flash will launch a new storytelling way for season six. Instead of one season-long story arc, season six will be broken down into two chapters. The first half will end with the five-show crossover Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then pick up afterwards with a new story for the second half. And I have to admit, I'm going to look forward to this, because part of the problem the last two seasons of The Flash have been Oh, look, we know who this big bad is. And then it's like, how come they haven't gotten this person yet? And it's just filler episode after filler episode. It will be nice to have a division between.
2: Plus, you have to put everything on hold for the crossover, at least one, if not multiple of the shows as they go forward. So this way they can tidy everything up at the crossover or before the crossover and then start something new at the mid-season premiere.
3: And for our last piece of news, is something that makes me very, very happy. Wally West is coming back to The Flash. We don't know if he's going to be in both halves of the season, all season, or just one. I'm just really happy that we're getting Wally West back. Yes.
0: I'm glad we are, too, and it's, I'm glad that the actor's in the space. He wants to come back to do the role because he'd sound like he was pretty comfortable with stepping away from the role when Wally was written out and hopefully they actually find more for him to do than just here, go sit over here in the crossover and we'll show you in the first episode and never see you again. Again, same problem they have in a lot of these shows is as the cast get bigger and bigger, it's really hard to juggle multiple character acts. So it always feels like one character gets a little bit of a disservice for lack of a better term.
2: In retrospect, I think Wally would have had a difficult time fitting in with the EXO or Nora story last year. It would have been one character too many, I think. And it also would have been kind of similar character arcs sort of, kind of, between Wally and Nora. So I'm glad that they didn't do
3: that. Fair. And it is all for the news. That
0: being said, we've powered through a bunch of news, so it is time for us to start wrapping up the show. So a big thank you to everyone who did participate live over on Geeks.Live. That is the official streaming home of the Gunna Geek Network, but also a big thank you to those of you who catch the replay over on YouTube at youtube.com slash Gunna Geek or download the audio version of the podcast over at starlingtribune.com. If you happen to have an Amazon device, remember you can enable our podcast
2: as a skill. You can also listen to our podcast now on Pandora as well as Spotify. And remember, we do have that lovely Discord server, which you can find at www.gunnageek.com Discord. And as Chris alluded to, you can watch the playback. Well, you can actually participate live as we stream 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific on Thursdays. And that's at www.geeks.live. You can chat with us live and you can see all the wonderful mistakes that we make that I edit out and post.
3: We would love to hear from you. We're the Star Tribune on Facebook and Instagram, at Star Tribune on Twitter. And you can call us at 612-888-CAVE. That's 612-888-2283. Well, this brings us to the end of another great episode. Any last words before we sign off? At Stargate Pioneer.
2: Hashtag Jane Austen Lives.
3: At the Chris Farrell.
0: Hashtag Magic Love Dust Hoss. I got to get back to my gimmick. You love it, Hoss. You love it.
2: You know... In, in the post that I put out on this on Twitter, it's just going to be hashtag magic love dust. I'm going to just leave out the hoss. You're
0: grounded, Chris. You're grounded.
3: I hoss a lot. It's okay. We've got to figure out when we're going to put this to bed.
0: Well, there's nine more episodes of Arrow being filmed right now. They finished the first one, so. <laughs> there's your marker that's when i'll stop hossing a lot
2: if you want to bring stuff back we can bring out you know the batman checklist we can slap water (laughs) we can do a bunch of stuff here in the next 10 episodes of arrow after we finish legends of tomorrow from last season
0: i got a water bottle right here i'll just start slapping it does that count
2: please don't because it's going to be plastic sounding in the mic
3: anyway and i am at michelle ely signing off with hashtag it's a magical world Oracle, I think we're done here. This was the Starling Tribune.
1: You can leave us feedback at gunageek.com or check out our archive at starlingtribune.com. Visit gunageek.com for more podcasts. Music by Kevin McLeod can be found at incompitech.com. This podcast is not produced or maintained by The CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, stories, and situations are the property of Time Warner. No infringement is intended. We will see you for the next episode of CW's Arrow.